Well, happy podcasting day. This is Rachel, Rachel Vote, if you didn't know, which you probably do. And this is a good girl's guide too. So thank you so much for being here. We are going to jump right into it because we got a part two to get to. If you uh, were unable to listen to last week, then I, I recommend it. It's not going to be mandatory that you do to follow the content for today, but it absolutely opens up a whole Pandora's box about why we are talking about what we're talking about today. And that's going to be how to implement some actual ways to establish change. And so I would say that the first podcast, the one right before this, um, like I said, it it just says part one, so it's easy to find. Um, It's going to unearth the reasons why we're struggling to change because a lot of us don't even know that we want to change or that we're trying to change or that change is, you know, possible, all those things. So if you you have some time, I'd recommend it. So uh, we'll do a, a small recap about some of the talking points that I think we're maybe... Um, lead us into today and then we'll get right into it. So I am so grateful that you're here. It is a beautiful day outside uh, where I'm filming out right now. I hope it is for you as well. This podcast is going up one day late. Uh, not that you probably care, but I just still just want to tell you that I'm, I, I apologize for the inconvenience and delay for any of you that were looking forward to getting that part two up. I had a dental emergency that started very promptly on a Saturday afternoon of a holiday weekend. You know how that goes. You know how that goes. So anyhow, I was very much recuperating and did a little too much um, on my day that I should have been filming my podcast. So here we are today. So thank you so much again for your patience and understanding. I appreciate you. That's part of the thing that I like about my small business is that I have such direct uh, access to my community through podcasting and social media that you a lot of you probably know that it's on my Facebook story I was talking about it yesterday so uh, I love you all very much I appreciate you and uh, if you are enjoying your free content don't forget that you can get that a lot a lot of places so you can totally get that right here on anchor of course weekly podcast for the most part everything's pretty much weekly um, you know I'm inconsistent from time to time for sure and I take some vacations but I try to let y'all know about those kinds of things so anyhow uh, free content on Facebook too every Monday night on my personal page that's uh, going to be any type of comp, uh, content it's nothing specific to business um, my business in general or whatever it's just about anything and if you're looking for a free place to hang where you meet 18 years or older and a feminine energy to really get some focus on sexual wellness and intimacy then please hit me up because you do have to be invited by somebody who's already existing in that group uh, for for the the content of the the page itself, but really because the environment is very, I don't, it's not discreet because that makes it sound like it's a dirty word, but it is just a private place for people of feminine energy to be able to discuss and have conversations and so on and so forth. Instagram and TikTok as well. You can find me for free content there. And if you are loving what you're hearing here, because of last week's podcast, I had a dear, dear, dear person reach out to me and say, hey, I think I'm ready to do sessions. She's been thinking about it. I've been on the fence about it for a couple of, I would say the better part of a year. She took the class last year before she had her amazing second baby uh, and and decided she wanted to jump, jump into it. So sometimes I feel almost icky, almost icky plugging the classes and the uh, coaching sessions because, of course, I'm working through my own money insecurities uh, and so on and so forth about taking people's money for services, especially when I know it can better your life. And she really did me a huge service by just like validating me like, yo girl, your content is worth it. So uh, thank you so much to Olivia, who I'm actually going to be reaching or not reaching. Um, I'm going to be doing a session with tonight. So I'm going to be able to tell her in person. Thank you so much for validating that I am doing okay for myself and that it's not wrong to make a living in general and to change my perspective from making a living off of people to making a living off helping people learn the tools to live their best life. So I'm going to continue 
keeping you working on that because that's something that I'm totally stressing about. But that's exactly what I was going into that. So empowerment classes, if you'd like to attend a group setting, uh, that's more um, for your, it's not necessarily a beginning step, but it is a really great way to toe step into personal development, learn what it's about, why it's important and um, how to start to implement it. And if you're looking for some momentum, so if you've taken the class, or you already have some personal development under your belt, or you already just know, I just want to go, 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 then definitely you want to get with me one-to-one and we can get those sessions started for you too. So let me know if you want contact info. Facebook Messenger is the easiest way to reach me, but uh, a good girl's guide to at Gmail is um, the other place you could do that too. So last week, like I said, we're going to go ahead and roll into our part two. We're going to do a real quick, quick recap, and then we're going to roll out some actual content steps that you can do to start to implement change into your life. And hopefully they feel doable. Hopefully they feel manageable. Hopefully they don't feel like large scale overwhelming. Because I, I know for myself, I can't I can't speak for you, obviously, and I would love to hear. So please let me know, you know, on Instagram or on your favorite platform that you can find me. Like, what do you feel like for yourself is um, something that you can resonate with this? You know, uh, when it comes to personal development and um, growth, last week we were really diving into, like I said, I wanted to get into the content steps, but... I ended up going on a kind of a tangent about why I was feeling the way that I was feeling. And I think that at least for me, that's something that works really well. I struggle with um, execution a lot. I am somebody who digests information. And and sometimes I convince myself that by just digesting two times or three times the amount of information I was digesting before or next to a quote unquote average person, um, you know, reading a book a week minimum and so on and so forth. I, I think that by digesting it, I excuse myself from the implementation. And and it's not, it's asinine because I am beyond, un- know, I know that the action is going to move everything so much faster, um, but I think that it's a confidence issue. Like I, I, I am very much always paralyzed by making decisions, especially if they are big ticket decisions, because I'm always fearful I'm making the wrong one. Um, I might have even mentioned that last week, but my point was really that if this is you, then I don't want you to feel like there's something wrong with you. Like we talked about last week, that's something that's really important. I have already booked a session with an ADHD business coach because I feel like that is something that I just need. And your modality, again, will be different. For me, I need somebody to keep me accountable. Um, And life coaching is great. I still have a life coach. I'm going back to therapy here uh, in the near future. But a business coach is somebody that I really feel like is my next step. It's somebody that I haven't, I haven't even explored the option with. And I think in the past, I was kind of fearful of sharing, not sharing the resources. Like when people reach out to me, I'm going to tell you, this is what I do. This is what I do. This is what I do. Um, or this is what I read. Here's my podcast or whatever. But I I don't, I don't even think for myself that I thought I should be seeking out a lot of different avenues to better myself because it felt Like, well, why would people want to do business with you then if you were still getting help for yourself? And that's like, come on, that's so stupid. Would therapists not go to therapy? Would um, personal trainers not work out or necessarily get a personal trainer for themselves? It's not necessarily about retention of the information. It's about accountability and execution of the action and having a support system of somebody who is specialized in that thing to keep you going. Your girlfriends are great. Your support partners are great. Uh, but they are not, their ass is not on the line for you to succeed. And these people aren't necessarily either, but they value this trait in humanity. So they are going to 
they're, they're going to thrive off being your cheerleaders even when you're paying them. Even more so when you're paying them. Because again, you're validating, just like Olivia did for me yesterday, you're validating that their services are, they're needed and they're important and you appreciate them and so on and so forth. So um, if you struggle with that, that's me. You know, a- a execution is difficult because I don't have as much confidence as I really thought that I have. I'm articulate and I feel intelligent. But when it comes to tangible success that I have to produce something that's where I think I struggle so whoo all right um last week what we were getting into was a lot of different aspects like I said we we didn't get into the steps we got into the the content of it and so just a couple of reminders some things that we talked about one is that we really dissected the fact that there is no masculinity versus femininity and that's important to revisit because we're going to be talking about that here right at the, the beginning of the, the podcast here uh, there is no such thing it's not versus it's that we all both both genders, sexes, however, like the species in general, all all of humans possess both masculine and feminine traits. And we end up picking one side to lean towards to- more over the other. So some of us will show up more feminine. Show up, some of us will show up more masculine. Some of us will sometimes even be split 50-50 down the middle. I believe that this is probably non-binary as well as potentially asexual. I think those are two separate things, of course, because one of them is sexuality and one of them is sexual identity. But I believe that's probably part of it, right? If you have no desire towards one sex or the other, that makes sense that maybe you're not heavily masculine and attracted to feminine people or heavily masculine and attracted to masculine. So anyways, let me go back to where I was saying, of course, right? So there is no such thing as verses. We all house these. And as I talked about on last week's podcast, I am more feminine than I am masculine. I definitely have masculinity traits like being loud and assertive and talking about politics and stirring the pot. These things are considered masculine. And in a feminine world, by the way, they're considered bitchy. You already knew that, but I'm going to remind you. So that's why I like to call them masculine traits. I don't identify with being a bitch. I know I can be a bitch. And I know people have called me a bitch, but I don't identify with being a bitch because I don't think there's anything wrong with women expressing their emotions and their opinions and their high high profile opinion, should I say, about politics and religion and um, healthcare rights and so on and so forth. As a masculine trait, it's admired. It's what gets people elected. But as a femininity trait, it was it was very heavily focused on being a bitch when I was in middle school and high school. Um, but my daddy raised me to be a bitch. I'm not gonna lie. Like I think he 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 brought bought me a book before I was in high school that was titled bitch I didn't even read it um I was into my own reading genres at the time but it really absolutely put a a flag in place for my identity about being being that type of person so we um we we lean and I would also just say by the way that I also think that there's flex there's flexibility and fluidity in this at least personally because have there been days where I want to be incredibly feminine and I, I put on the dress and I do the full face and makeup yes and are there days where I'm not a schlub like, I'm not saying that the, the opposite side of femininity is being a schlub for me. Like, um, do I like, I don't know where I make up today, but do I like hanging out without a bra and sweatpants on? Yes. But when I would say when, do I, I still identify with a more masculine trait. I don't think being schlubbery is male or female. I think that that's comfort. But when I identify like with a cleaner shape or a slicker do or, um, you know, a sleek pant, then I definitely feel more stance of femi- uh, masculinity, you know. It's not to say there's no femininity that feels strong, but you feel a different assertiveness maybe is what I'm looking for. And I think as a, as a, a woman, I'm trying to ado- adopt that into my own feminine right. But I think that they, they just exist. They just, they just are the way they are. So there's no such thing as a versus. It's just, it exists. Okay. Um, 
another thing that we kind of wrapped up with is the fact that mental health is an up and coming thing that is going to be more demanded and accepted. Through the generations, we struggled with even knowing that there was an option or thinking that therapy was for a certain class of people. And then we moved into a generation who knew that that had to be possible, but didn't really know the avenue or understand it or knew what to do and then started paving the way, uh, going through it and taking the the brunt of that. And then our newer generations, this will be mandatory. They won't fight about it. They will stand for it and know that they will function best with mental space and clarity. It's not different than working out the body. It's not different than working out your personal finances. So it's on the rise. And that was one of the conversation topics we talked about as well is that it's becoming more accepted. And that's a good thing because the more we see it, the more we talk about it, the more we see it in everyday lives the more people are going to just, oh, okay, it's not different than going to the grocery store. Yeah, I mean, so you did your, uh, you had an appointment with your financial advisor, you had an appointment with your uh, personal trainer, did you have an appointment with your therapist lately? Good, good for you, well-rounded, great. Uh, So yeah, that's something that's really important. We also learned that it's becoming less habit, which is, you know, kind of the same thing, but that makes sense as it's becoming more exposed to it, it's becoming more culturally accepted. And um, I I don't know if this is the largest takeaway I want from last week, but understanding that nothing is wrong with you when you decide that you want to better yourself. And that was probably the thing that I struggled with as one of the largest things I struggled with was thinking that I had to do personal development in secrecy because I was fearful that whatever it was that I was changing, that there was something wrong with me. And parts of these, I think, would, it's not necessarily, it's a little bit deeper than something being wrong with you. It's parts of you that you identify with. So you're literally shedding your identity. So you have to mourn a part of that, even if it's reshaping it. It's just a part of you who doesn't exist anymore. So, you know, I, like, I know I went through this towards the end of my singlehood, which was ironic because I'd been with my husband for, like, six or seven years before we got married. But it still was an identity shift going from a single woman to a married woman. And um, it wasn't anxiety-inducing. It wasn't fearful that I was going to run from the altar. It was just an identity shift. And I've been through identity shifts that have rocked me to my core. They have (laughs) been instrumental in creating a quarter-life crisis, no less. So there are both sides of the fence to that, I think. And both of those are okay. So understanding that bettering yourself doesn't mean there's something wrong with you now. You know, I, I, I think if I could put a visual to this for you, it would be, let's say... Um, I'm trying to, I'm trying to come up with a healthy version of this, but let me, okay, let me take my personal body. For example, when I, when I started this journey, um, you know, my heaviest, I was 250 pounds. And at this time I currently, um, I'm just gonna say 180 is about where I fluctuate to. So I give or take 10 pounds. I go less. um, I usually go less. I don't go higher than 180 is where I'm saying. Okay. Anyway, so I'm about 180. I think that my goal weight is 150 and I think it's a doable. I mean, I've, you know, I've lost 80 pounds so far, 70 pounds at this time, whatever. So there's not much farther to go to go from 180 to 150 when I came from 250. So, but my point is, is that I'm comfortable right here, right now. I don't feel bad about my body. Would I like to have more energy? Would I like to be more flexible? Would I like to be back in yoga? Yes. And that's very, very freeing, by the way. Because it used to be about the pounds on the, 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 I guess I say number on the scale. It used to be about particular types of clothing and the way I needed to look. And I've, I have detached from that. And it's good because I'm, I'm getting used to this body form because I've never been an adult in this body form and this curviness and this fullness. Um, because I did get down to 160 when I was like really actively at the gym. So I know what 160 looks and feels like. And I don't feel as feminine. I, I still feel healthy, but I lose my curves. 
I lose my chest, I lose my hips, I lose my curves, I lose my hourglass figure at 160, which 150. So I don't know if maybe that's part of it too, by the way, I'm struggling with my identity because I haven't let go of my full figure yet. I've let go of my morbid obese figure, but I haven't let go of my full figure woman figure. Like, you know, there's... There's an area for my husband to grab onto my hips, you know, okay, so it, I'm, I'm enjoying this, this fertile body, not this unhealthy body, I'm, I'm enjoying this fertile body. So I want to say that to you because I think it's so important, like I'm going through that financially. I'm going through this financially where a couple of years ago, my finances were a frigging wreck. They were an embarrassment. Like we we were getting by, but I wasn't being truthful with my husband. I wasn't hiding things like I was ashamed. I was hiding things because I thought I was doing good for him. Um, I wasn't having more open and, honest, open and honest conversations with my financial advisor about what I felt insecure about. I was not being real with me. Like I, so my point is, is that where I was two years ago, I was a friggin' mess. And where I am today is a broke, middle-class, rich person. I'm not even rich. I wouldn't say rich. I'd say wealthy or comfortable. That's the best word. I'm a broke, comfortable person. And I'm broke because I finally have broken the cycle of what I was doing unhealthily with credit cards and living outside my means. And today I am absolutely paying the consequences for those behaviors before, but I have let go of the shame and the guilt because those things, they were my fault, but they also weren't my fault. Nobody prepared me for financial literacy. Nobody prepared me for credit card debt and interest rates and understanding and living outside my means and properly saving and, um, all those things, okay? So right here, right now, I am happy and proud of myself, although I'm not where I want to be. I'm not as prosperous as I want to be, but I'm abundant as hell. I have everything I need. I have some of it in excess. Um, I, I'm able to get the things that I want. I, I live this life of freedom for time, freedom, and flexibility, and, and I'm a, I'm stay-at-home mom. So I can't argue that I'm the happiest I've ever been. But some people would look at me and they would be embarrassed about finances. They'd be like, I can't believe that's what your life looks like. And I don't try to display outside world that I I am whatever about my finances. I think I used to about maybe types of trips or clothes or even the way that I looked or whatever. I don't know. Cars. I know I've talked about cars before and how they used to fake be important to me because I thought other people judged me by what I drove. And now my car is it's okay. <laughs> it's not a beater. Um, I just put some work into it, which I was very proud of as an adult to be able to do that without a credit card. Um, but like I got a giant crack in the windshield right now. And it's like, Meh. I'm still going, are other people judging me about the crack in my windshield when I'm like, I don't care about the crack because I can see just fine and my car still works okay. So all of that, y'all, there's nothing wrong with you. And you'll go through these phases where you'll get a little bit of change under your belt. And that's it. You know, I changed my health and wellness for a little while before I could get right with my finances. And when I started working on my finances, then I started working on my diet. And when I started working on my diet, I started working on other things in my world. So it's so important to understand that you're going to have these little confidence blocks that will ensure you can get to the next place. But that also means that your life will not look entirely different from going like broke as a joke to like a Kardashian. It's just not going to happen. Um, you can't quantum leap the same way you can't quantum leap out of severe depression to overall abundance and joy and whatever, whatever. You can't go from bankruptcy to multimillionaire. You know that. So let yourself off the friggin' hook. It's not, it's not a failure by any means. It's about accepting where we are and being okay with where we are. And we don't talk enough about that. I think there are people out there who are. They're talking about, like, make sure that you document your wins. Make sure you celebrate these wins. I think that's very important. But I think the conversation that we're missing foot about is acknowledging where I'm at, right? Like, I talk about where I've come from, and I've talked about the things I've overca- overcame, 
but I'm not talking about the things that I'm struggling with right now because I'm, I'm, I'm living in fear of what other people will think. Will they think that the value of content coming out of my mouth off my free podcast doesn't mean as much right now if they know that I'm paying off credit card debt? Will they stop tuning into me or booking anything with me in terms of services if they know that I am not currently investing my money as much as I'd like to or where I should be and I'm getting there? Do they, do they think I'm less of a coach when it comes to feelings and emotions because that's absolutely what my strength is and I'm transparent that money is not my number one. I, I'm, I, I could be good at coaching you in wealth, but money, facts and figures are my detriment and that's what I'm getting coached on. That's what I'm working towards. But if people know that about me, will they assume that I'm not good enough to help them on other levels of their life? Okay, so I'm living in these little sections of my world where I gain a little confidence and I hang out there. So like maybe after a 30 pound weight loss and intermittent fasting successfully, that was a new place for me to live and really be proud of myself. But I didn't talk at that time as much about the things that I was still struggling with. I was focusing on my strengths, which is obviously good. It's like good vibrations and it's good inspiration. But all along this time, I mean, obviously finances are a big, all of these areas in our lives are big things, but finance is a big thing because it runs the world currently, (laughs) you know, have this conversation in, in six months or a year from now about cryptocurrency and we might be having a different conversation. But right now in this current reality for Rachel, sorting through these finances, I'm very proud of where I am, but I'm also massively ashamed at how far I wish I was. So you get to live in those places. So you build the confidence to get to the next block. You live in that place for a little bit and then you get to build your confidence up so you move to the next block. But have more conversations with the people you love, especially because these are things I still don't even talk to Tony about um, as much as I'd like to because I'm still ashamed and embarrassed. Or sometimes I don't even know how to articulate it as well as I can in a podcast when I'm sitting in your room by myself just word vomiting. Okay, but have a support system in some way, shape or form and multiples of them if you can. And I'll take it one step further and see if that group that you're venting to has financial savvy. Okay, in in your case, maybe if you're struggling with a diet, does this group have success in altering their lifestyle, not a fad diet, not um, a suggestion to go to a Weight Watchers meeting, not Something about take this pill, take that pill. Um, Something, and and again, if those things work for you, that's okay. I'm not dogging on them. What I'm saying is that don't take advice from people that you wouldn't switch lives with is what I've always been told. And I would recommend that to you too. And I think I'm going to take it another step further. And I think it's okay to say that maybe you don't idolize that person in every area of their life because the person I heard that advice from is somebody who I do, I admire their business, um, integrity and I admire their um their drive I don't admire how much they work I don't admire um I'm I'm not going to go into those things because it's not necessary the the point of that was just to tell you that I learned when for a very long time I thought that this one person that I was learning so much from was the only person I should be learning things from I didn't recognize that not all of their facets didn't fit into my life so I actually heard this on a podcast the other day. Um, it was on um, Financial Feminist 100K podcast. I'd recommend it. And I feel like an ass because she had a podcast guest and the, the guest is totally falling on my brain. But it was like last Friday. So go check it out. But what she said as a, she's also like a finan- financial, fin- financial nista. Financial, I don't know how the play on words is about that. But what she said was like, I don't ever recommend people only following my strategy. Because what happens if I die or retire? And that kind of hit me like a ton of bricks because it was like all of this philosophy I'd been thinking about, the person that I'd been following for so long. I'm like, I didn't realize that's kind of what I was thinking is like, I didn't realize I should have multiple mentors. And I do, but 
I think this one was always my shining star that I had on a pedestal. So making sure that you understand that that's exactly what you should be doing is knowing that you should be always growing, that you should be searching out resources, that it's okay to, to move outside your comfort zone when it's time. Um, but there's nothing wrong with you at any one of these steps. None of you listening to a podcast this are actively choosing to go out and rob banks or steal cars or um, heinous, heinously hurt people intentionally, right? I hope. <laughs> so you don't have to struggle bus with that knowledge. There's nothing innately wrong with almost every human being on planet Earth. We've we've been programmed to think we have to act a certain way. And that's where we're at is unprogramming ourselves to the ways we want to live. And that's what I'm going to swing into the, the actual podcast content here today when we're talking about, that's the last thing I'm going to say is that we talked about that last week of being programmable. It's intentional, of course. We know that we don't use the word programming. We learning, raising our children, whatever these phrases that you want to attribute. That's what we talk about and we do with our children to our children. Um, but I use the word program because you do get programmed. It's not, it's just like a computer. A computer is programmed to read code and then act how it's supposed to act. Your mouse moves the cursor, uh, which is actually called the cat, if you didn't know that, it's kind of funny, um, on your screen. And you're no different. It's hard because I think that we like, we look at that and we're like, well, I'm not a machine, but we kind of are. We function like machines, do we not? So it's not wrong to compare like a computer code. The computer is programmed to run at a certain speed. It's a, it's a programmed to hold a certain amount of memory and bodies and brains are not different. So we are programmed by our culture, our caregivers, um, anything of influence. And again, this is arguable. They, they say that the prime programming is up until the age of seven. I would argue that I think it's programmable. You're, I mean, I, th I think we're still programmable to this day. Otherwise, we wouldn't be able to change. Um, but I do think that we're still very susceptible to it in our young teens. And even, I mean, like, this must be, this might be just personal for me because I was not raised. I had an independent mindset, but I was not raised to be an analytical thinker. I, a critical thinker is what I would say, a critical thinker. So some of us were easily programmable until our 20s. And I think that some people are easily programmable their entire lives. And it's about taking back your own power and understanding that you decide what you will digest and you will decide what comes into your, your news feed, your brain feed, your eye feed, your ear feed, your mouth feed, whatever. You, you have that control. That's about the only thing you have control on this planet Earth. And we have just been numbed to thinking that other people make those decisions for us. And that, I think, is why I struggle so hardcore with making life decisions because I was never empowered to make decisions on my own, even when they're minutely small. Minutely small. Tell Olivia you can take a bath this morning or take a bath tonight. I still get the job, task, whatever accomplished of giving her a bath. But she feels like she's in control because she can tell me morning or night. I'm, I, I, do I want to play all day and then take a bath? Or do I want to take a bath and play all day? So she has that control aspect of her young life. So it's boundaries in place because I'm not saying like, do you want to do whatever you want or do you want your mom to control your world, right? It's like, it's this little give and take of a small confidence block that I'm giving her that I don't remember having as a kid. I don't ever remember making any of my own decisions. I don't remember having the option to make my own decisions. Even like when it came to my schooling, for crying out loud, these gifted programs, it wasn't a conversation. It wasn't a, Rachel, what would you like to do? Would you like to go to this classroom three times a week where we feel like you would benefit really well? There'll be additional programs or activities or something um, for you to do. Uh, that we think you'll like. Otherwise, you can stay in this classroom here with your team members or your classmates, whatever, right? It was just, you're going to this class three to five days a week. And I will say that this feels very white privilege to say, 
But it was like, well, the, I mean, I say the idea that they gave me, and I shouldn't say white privilege because there's definitely kids of color who are in gifted classes, but this, at my time, it was only white kids in this fucking program. Anyway, it was, it was programmed to me, you will go to this thing three to five days a week because you need more challenge, because you, I, they never said these words directly, but because you're smarter than the rest of the kids. People told me that. I don't remember who exactly, my mother, teacher, somebody said those words to me. You're smarter than other kids, so you'll go to this thing three days a week. And so while, yes, that like at the time as a child makes you feel good, right? Oh, well, I'm intelligent. But what in the world do you think that does in middle school, high school, adult life when that means jack crap? When that special intellect means nothing. It means nothing, okay? So if you have insecurities, if you have a fear-based reaction about making decisions, that might be why. And that's obviously not exactly my particular um, lifestyle or my my childhood, but you can relate to that. My, my parents never asked me about making decisions about like what kind of programs or sports I wanted to play. Therefore, I never did. Um, what kind of activities I wanted to play with my friends on the weekends. Um, what kind of clothes I wanted to wear. What kind of food I wanted to eat. How I wanted to style my hair. There was never any conversation about any of these things. It, I, I was very much too, I was too much of a freelance kid. And I say that a lot, y'all, because I was the youngest. And I think that I truly believe that my mother was a young mother. And by the time she had had her third, we were old enough to entertain each other. I'm sure she took care of me as a baby, of course. But my old, youngest memories, I don't remember hanging out with my mother. I remember spending time alone in my room or in her room watching TV or with my siblings, or I was allowed to run free. And I know that that's also a different generation and culture because we were allowed to do that in our neighborhoods. But I didn't have I didn't have boundaries. I didn't have anything that I wish I would have had set up for me. And I feel like that's what I'm doing for myself today. So being programmable, that's a necessary thing for us to come to terms with because it impacts us by allowing us to have the knowledge and understanding that it, we didn't necessarily get ourselves into this situation. I didn't necessarily choose to not know about financial literacy. I didn't choose to be um, overweight as a child. I didn't choose any of those things. The, the people around me, I hear my heart when I say probably should have done a better job and making sure that I was okay. And you probably feel that way too. But none of us knew better, including those caregivers, right? Otherwise they would have. They would have. My parents are good people. They weren't neglecting me. But they just didn't know any better. So it's not necessarily your fault that you are here. But here is the kicker. And I've heard this a few times. I've heard this a few times. And I want you to hear it. I want you to write it down. It comes in different forms. <sighs> but it is your responsibility to get out of it. Okay, so the quote I had heard was something like, you may not have dealt this hand, but this is your hand to deal with now kind of thing. So the cards were not your option, but now you have this hand to play. Okay, so it sucks because I know that I still play a clock in my head or um, a record, I guess is what I was trying to say in my head about like, this isn't my fault. I, I should have, somebody should have taught me better. I'm so far, I'm a 35 years old. I like, I should have known some of this stuff before. And, um, you know, I try to stop myself because what am I going to do? I can't rewind the clock to when I was a kid. I can go, I can visualize and meditate to that child and say, hey, it's going to be okay. Like, you don't start like, but I wouldn't even know those things as a kid that I wasn't learning, you know? So I can't turn back time. I certainly shouldn't waste a bunch of the present moment on the things I didn't learn or know. And you shouldn't either. You should just be able to understand that you are loved and supported and you're deserving of the best life possible. And yes, it may take you to do all of the work, 
but that's okay because then it's in your control. There's there's people out there to help you. There are people out there to organize with. There are people out there that you can hire. So you're not ever truly alone. But if this is your idea and you want to take it to the max, that's okay. That's okay. But I also believe, I'm going to pinpoint this in real quick. I'm going to plant the seed because it's just happening for me right now. You might be subconsciously struggling with guilt on this. Okay, this hit me because I was listening, I believe, to another podcast. Um, it was by Denise Duffield Thomas, and I highly recommend her. She writes some really great books about money and money blocks, which is something that I really am struggling with. But if work looked different for your parents or your generation, um, or even you want to think about the fact, again, the generations before us, even if we believe in work looking a different way, we might be pro- programmed to thinking we we'll feel bad if we succeed a different way because our, we saw our parents, we saw our ancestors, we saw everybody else, we saw the general public, we saw our friends and family live their lives this particular way. So if I get out of this, whatever it is, the way you live your job, the kinds of relationships you're in, you're not going back and forth and back and forth to a broken relationship. Whatever it is, you're going to go to college because nobody ever did. You're not going to go to college because everybody didn't and use their degrees. Whatever it is. You might feel guilty, even subconsciously, because you feel like you're going against the grain and you might upset the people before you. In my particular instance, um, I think that I think that my dad is often proud of me. Like, I don't have to seek that out. I used to. I used to, even as an adult, I used to have to tell him about the milestones in my business, which he had no idea what they even meant. But he would be like, good job, Rach. But I had to actively seek that out because I did not receive it as a child. I think in my business today or my life now today, I'm I'm much more secure with me knowing that this is a success for me. This feels good for me. I did this and that's okay. But sometimes I feel like I struggle with guilt like on my mom's side and her and I don't ever talk about this. We never, we rarely talk about my business. She's never told me that she was proud of me. I'm not ser- searching for that because I didn't, I didn't, um, have a lack of that when I was a child. That's why I was searching her for, for my dad when I was an adult. But I feel like I subconsciously have a lot more guilt about working, being a working mom than I know because my mom didn't. She was a stay at home mom. And this memory that I just shared with you about like not feeling like we were very connected or close when I was young because I spent a lot of time alone even though like I didn't have any animosity towards my mom when I was that age just so you know I think that's the complexity of it is that I know that she was trying the best with what she had and I also know that like today as a mother I would try more than she did or I'm more active in Olivia's life so that makes me feel guilty because it makes me feel like I'm admitting that I think my mom was a bad mom even though I don't so it's so greasy and nasty because it's so complex and intricate you know those are the small things that until you get farther into personal development and better in tune with your emotions and yourself and what you are neglecting you might not come to those terms okay so those are big deals because once they come to the surface you can really acknowledge them you can really say like is this thing true for me if this is true for me that I need to stop beating myself up over the head about it and there's nothing wrong with me doing better for myself uh especially because I'm not even having these conversations with my mom so it's like she's not like she's like no you make me feel crappy about what you're doing okay so it's all crap I'm making up in my head okay so you didn't necessarily get yourself into it but it is your responsibility to grow you okay and that's important as we get into the shift today um as I talk about the three steps that you can implement for yourself the shift has already begun, all right? Last week, our conversation about masculinity and femininity, we talked about, um, you know, like being feminine and how it's not wrong and how it's been something that I think we needed along the way a lot more. Um, it's it has, it has begun, and that's something that I think we want to focus on, is that there's so still so much animosity about, like, this 
this versus that, he versus she, color versus color. And these are not, not conversations we should be having. Of course, they're still important conversations that we should be having. But I'm not seeing as much love and celebration around the integration that's been happening. And so what I mean by that is that like, for example, I was at the zoo not too long ago, and it was just Olivia and I, just Olivia and I, and it was a weekday and the kids were still in school. So, you know, that definitely plays a part in the dynamic and uh, demographic of who you see at the zoo. And it's interesting because obviously I've been to the zoo so many times these days that sometimes it's like not even the zoo for me, it's just people watching, right? My point is, is that I personally, especially from the time that I um, was a mother with Cole, a single mother with Cole versus today being a married mother with Olivia, you didn't see as many dads or male father figures or caregivers out. You just didn't. You didn't see grandpas. You didn't see um, same-sex couples. You didn't see um, dads by themselves with their kids. You didn't see that as much back then that was 11 10 years 10 11 years ago and today it literally brings like some tears to my eyes because you really do see more daddies more male caregivers more grandpas which is just so sweet it's so sweet you guys you just do and that's one of the blessings of my job because it allows for me to be in the real world with human beings in all capacities in all occasions in all activities but definitely in family dynamic um activities because I'm at more zoos and more parks and more things because that's what I'm doing right I'm with my kids and so you need to hear my heart when I I say when I wish you need to hear my heart when I say I wish we were saying more things about this and I think it is a delicate situation because I, I thought a really nasty thought the other day and I wanted to make sure that I sorted it out before I vocalized it because it sounded in my head like I was saying, you know, it's actually a really good thing that white people and black people and people of color are having babies because it almost sounded like to myself I was saying because, no, I don't even know how to phrase it. Because Let me just, let me say what I want to say because I'm just trying to be delicate about it. It doesn't do anything for people of color is what I want to relay. It does pe- something for white people, okay? Because first of all, we are always been a melting pot. We've always been a melting pot. We will continue to be a melting pot. Uh, my family is a melting pot. I have my, my nieces and nephews have, uh, they're half, half El Salvadorian and my son has, um, Mexican in him as well. My husband, my husband is all white. We're both all white, but, um, Cole's father would have been a fourth Mexican. His mother's a half Mexican. So anyway, there's a lot of blendedness that's already been happening, will continue to happen. So I think in my head, I thought, I, I don't want this to sound like I am talking about how white people are doing people of color a favor with with having mixed babies because we're going to now associate that people that are white can be more empathetic and more involved in people of color's lives. That is part of it, but that's part of, that's white people's problem. That's not people of color's problem. It's white people's problem. So I hope that integrating into people of color's communities that white people can be seen. I hope that we're being welcomed in this regard. I mean, obviously it takes our responsibility to do that. But my point is, is that's really beautiful. Is that sooner rather than later, there will not be white people, a pure white person left in the United States. And I can't even imagine what some people feel about that. But it's beautiful. It's just a more constant reminder that skin color is just that. It's more melatonin. It has nothing to do with who you are. It has nothing to do with what your potential is. Nothing to do with how big your heart is it's just unbelievably disgusting that 
we can't put those blinders on yet. We're getting there, but there's so much work to be done. And there's so many apologies that need to be said still that we're not there yet. But this shift has begun, right? Just yesterday at the zoo, with I had my half, half El Salvadorian niece and nephew with me, uh, my white son, my blended family, because I had my son from a previous family and then, you know, my daughter today. Um, but... There, I saw a gay couple. Oh, it was beautiful, y'all. It was beautiful. These men were probably in their early 20s. You wouldn't have seen that. You wouldn't have seen a very open gay couple at the Omaha Zoo 10 years ago in their 20s be, being very openly gay. That's It's beautiful. I smiled so hard in the lead jungle. Boys, if you were there, you had your little fanny packs on, you're drinking a little Starbucks. It was so cute. So um, this is necessary because, again, just like therapy becomes more cognitive um, acceptance, it's going to be the same as we see this visually in our communities, we're exposed to more ethnicities and more uh, class lines and so on and so forth. It's so important. It's so important. Okay. So it's not different than, you know, I, I love this on TikTok when you see a lot of uh, male teachers sharing their experiences. That's so important. It's important not only for children to have the exposure to masculine and feminine roles in learning, um, but also just to see them in those atmospheres. It's the same as, you know, when you see two men adopting a baby, the fact that that baby is never going to be lacking anything nurturing with two amazing people, then little boys, little girls, little binary children get to see themselves in several different roles in these caregiving roles, like being nurses and teachers, that they can then see themselves in those roles. Because 20 to 30 years ago, it was all white faces and all roles. So, you know, kids just didn't see that. And that's really important. Okay. So uh, I don't know if y'all know this, but I just want to share the statistic that women are employing 50% of the doctor spaces these days too. So the more feminine um, exposure you have to those healthcare roles, the better off we're going to be because again, more empathy comes into play, um, more awareness comes into play that is not only going to be detrimental to the patients, but it can be detrimental to the employees too. So it's just fully cyclical. It's, it's just so important. Women are closing the gap on being the primary breadwinners. And so it's about 50-50 almost that women are the primary breadwinners in their household. That's an important conversation to be having because I'm I'm sure in a lot of households it's okay and it's accepted, but I'm sure in another um, another realm of households, it might be something where there's some subconscious resentment. And so conversations need to be had about having that, okay? So there is more blending is my point, is that there is going to be less of a distinction between man and woman, a less distinction of white versus black and people of color. There's going to be less of these distinctions. There's going to be more lines blurred. And it's so important, so important. And I want to say as we wrap into the three steps, okay, that I believe that part of this has been that we had to elbow our way there first, okay? So um, about a decade ago, again, uh, I think I've said this before, so take a shot because I've I know I, I don't know if it was on the podcast, but good luck. Anyways, is that for a while? Oh no, I didn't say it on podcast. So don't take the shot. It was in a coaching. Uh, for a while, women were strong armed, strong armed into being masculine in lots of roles to be able to show up, right? So after World War II, or during World War II, when women went into the workforce for what was predominantly the first time because most men were at war. Um, it was fine. But then when men came back from the war and they wanted their jobs back and they were kind of elbowing women out and women were like, yeah, but I like working. Like, I want to do this kind of thing. You know, it was inevitable, I think. So that was like, uh, after World War II, it would have been slow. Let's just say the 50s. So from the 50s to the 90s to even the early 2000s, oh my God, that's so long. So the, over 50 years where women were having to fight for the right to work, 
but then to be seen and then we're still fighting for the pay gap to get closed um all of these things the only way that we started gaining traction i believe was that you had to get in and be just like men Okay, it was not working for women to show up and be feminine. It wasn't working for women to show up and be caring. They were taken advantage of, quite literally harassed, um, you know, overlooked and so on and so I mean, this is just minimal conversation about that. But it didn't start having waves be made. I said that wrong, but you get it. Waves weren't made until women started acting more like men. There was a lot of books that came out about leaning in, so needing to be masculine, like needing to step up to the plate, needing to be forceful and assertive. And there isn't things necessarily wrong with those traits inherently, as we've talked about. But when you put those into the workplace, per se, that's not fantastic, necessarily, right? Um, it's sad, because I believe that's what we had to do. I believe that women had to do that to have to have their voices be heard and be taken seriously. But then we had this massive swing right after with the Me Too movement. And so then it was just like this cry for help, like this doesn't work. This asserting by power and force is not something people need or want. We need to have real honest conversations about the right type of leadership and what that looks like. And again, just stripping the fact that it doesn't have to be masculine versus feminine needs to be human and empathy and integrity and so on and so forth. So I do believe that that was how change had to be made though. And and I don't think, I don't think it had to be made that way, but I think it was the way that we had to make it in our reality. And the reason this is important for me to mention is because that happened for women first. Okay, it is now, in my opinion, and my vision is very tunnel small. So I would love some correction or some additional um, information or sites on this. If you are more active in the um, community outside of being a white woman, Um, I believe men, people of color, people in color in general, but men um, for a while have been starting to insert themselves and they are working towards that. And then even maybe at the same time, um, men with people of color, it was kind of the LGBTQ community, right? They had to start fighting for their rights and they had to, they haven't gotten malicious, let's say, okay, like some current groups could, but I'm just saying they had to get stronger and louder and what their opposers may view as obnoxious to get their voices heard. And it sucks and it's sad that people have to get loud and they have to say these things, but you're not listening. So what else is it going to take? And although women of color are quickly on the rise please support women of color on tiktok as um, content creators on social media platforms in general read their books listen to their podcasts hear what they have to say um, and then take it upon yourself to be an ally among your white friends to do some educating if you can that's what they they're wanting and asking because they've been preaching for years like this is how you can change this is what i recommend and our dumbasses aren't listening you know we're just oh okay 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 well i believe i'm doing my best to be a, um an individual ally okay well you need to be a group ally all right And I'm not great at this. I'm not saying I'm on a pedestal, but I'm saying I'm acknowledging it and I'm doing my best to see how I can change it and to expand upon it. But this sucks that that's what it feels like we have to do is that we have to make a lot of racket and make a lot of noise uh, for somebody to go, oh, this person over here needs to say something. uh, And does that even fall on deaf ears? Does action get taken? So it is inevitable that you will be vocal or fighting physically or uh, figuratively, but if we can all take this shift together into the feminine more, then we'll all be better off in my opinion. So here we go, right? So what are three ways, 46 minutes into this podcast too, that you can work towards change? The first thing I would recommend is that you're going to want to find a community, okay? This is something that I'm still struggling with today. Uh, One, because I think that I'm often supposed to be creating my community um, because I've been in a leadership role for a while because uh, I am a 
a pillar of my community, and I mean online community because I'm not that great of doing the in-person stuff just yet, but I'm getting there. Uh, I think I often have to create new things. And it's crazy because I have preached to people how you don't have to reinvent the wheel. And then I go off and try to reinvent the wheel. I just don't think that I'm reinventing the wheel is all the problem is. So find a community. You don't have to create a networking group. You don't have to create a Facebook page. You don't have to do those things. You are welcome to. But I do recommend getting a therapist, finding a coach and a niche. So if you need an intimacy coach, if you need uh, a money coach, if you need any of those things specifically, I recommend it. I recommend finding multiple avenues of this and don't forcing yourself to stay into one because it's not going to work, okay? You need to find new friends with the same type of growth mindset. You might have to pay for this too, okay? Um, I am not consistently in groups that I have to pay for at the moment. I have been very blessed to find a couple of groups that um, are working towards personal development but are not my friends. That's very important, I think, okay? Your friends are jaded. Your friends uh, are, they have they have an experience veil with you, meaning that they, they know who you are in your past. So and I'm not saying that they can't be great supporters, but they're not often the best people at first to use to grow yourself up. Uh, that's just experience. I'm not saying that they're a detriment to your growth. I'm just saying that, they, again, if they're not actively growing themselves, they can't support you at the level you need because they're doing their own shit at this moment. So it's not a dig at your friends. It's just that you should find other people who are very much like-minded to the way you want to be in the way places that you're trying to go, okay? Um, I've had massive success, by the way, with programs that I've paid for, okay? Free programs, here's the, the, the niche to them. Free programs don't often get you to the next level. They'll probably remind you of things you already know. They might even give you some tangible things that you can implement. But I often feel right now that I'm discovering that I'm still in a box that I'm trying to bust through. Like I feel like I keep myself small because I'm too afraid of what it takes to be big. I'm afraid of the work, the amount of work, the um, organization, the bookkeeping. And so I think that I often play it small because of those things, which is just so silly because that's what I'm preaching to you. But that's what I'm working through, right? I'm at a new level of success that I'm bigger than I've ever been. Um, no ego in that. That's just fact. I have more exposure. I have more clients and so on and so forth. So I'm learning to be comfortable at this level before I get to the next one. And that often, like I said, is from paid programs, okay? You have to find a good one. You have to find one that's reputable and you have to find one that would work for where you're at. Don't go paying for just some random thing because you saw it on a Facebook ad or even because your friend said that it was great. Do the research. Find out is the creator somebody that you align with or they're they're moving towards the, the place that you're aligning with. Will you get something tangible out of it? Does it work towards your learning style? Are you somebody who learns kinesthetically? If you are and you like to like learn as you go and hands-on, you're probably not going to do best with the podcast, right? Are you somebody that learns auditorily? Then you're probably not going to do best in a flower bed, right? You, if you're somebody who learns best by writing, again, podcasts are probably not your thing. So you have to find out what works best for you, especially if you're somebody who's ADHD. Hello, that's me, right? Like I am trying to find things that work for a neurodivergent mind. Business advice, life advice often goes to the neurotypical people. It does not, it's not scaled for people who are ADHD. So if you're somebody who goes rah, 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 like all over the place, I mean, you might not be ADHD, but you might have trouble focusing. You might have trouble with clarity. You might have trouble making a decision. And so neurotypical advice doesn't necessarily work for you. So you have to find the right space for you. And that's something I'm still figuring out for me. I thought and I was running my business from a neurotypical standpoint for years. And that's why I struggle bust with bookkeeping. That's why I struggle bust with with consistency, because that verbiage didn't work for me, but I was making it work for me just painfully slow. So find the community and run with it. Okay. The next thing you want to do is you're going to start to understand, research, recall, whatever you want to use that word there, your programming. We talked about programming extensively in the last two podcasts, so we won't go into a lot of detail about it today. But 
you know. When I talked about, you know, women becoming breadwinners just a minute ago, that statistic that we're closing the gap on 50% being um, the, the women in the household and male in the household, I got, it doesn't specify whether that's energy or not, so we'll just go off of the statistic. But if I gave you that stat and you started to feel a certain way, then you want to check that. That's part of your programming, right? For me, that naturally makes sense. I, I believe that my husband and I are 50-50, but given our circumstances with child support and alimony that are coming out, it's not 50-50. I am the quote-unquote primary breadwinner, quote-unquote, because if more money than our mortgage cost was not going out the door to um, you know pay for child support and alimony, we, he would probably be the primary breadwinner. And so circumstances are not black and white, are they not? Right. So understanding that maybe when I said that you actually had a twinge because you were like, oh, that makes me so sad. Mother should stay home with her children and raise them. It's not anything wrong with your thought. That's your programming is that's what you feel is best for women to do yourself specifically. But that's the idea that you were programmed with is that, that that's how it should look. Okay, so it's not wrong. It's just different. So when we look at any of your programming, like we talked about, some of these will unearth themselves. Some of them you'll have to go digging for. Some of them you'll never even know exist until they hit you like a ton of bricks upside the head. Okay, so when it happens, the most important thing to do is to feel it. Don't try to press it aside or go, I'm not allowed to feel negative things, so I have to suppress this. That's not how it works. It works so much better when you actually hold on to it and um, process it. You just have to ask yourself, is this still something I believe in? Is this still something that I want to believe in? Is this something that I feel like I'm actually starting to change my beliefs around and be okay with that? That is okay. It is okay. It's always okay. All right. It's you that's having trouble letting go of it because you feel like you have to show up for somebody else and that's why you haven't let go of it. But when you start to align with your inner values and who you are, then your higher self, your higher power, all those things start to work together to give you more of what you want and need because it likes clarity. It likes focus. It likes those things. And remember, what you focus on is what you get, okay? Worry is praying for stuff you don't want, so stop doing that, okay? And then the last thing I would say in step three is that you actually want to emote, okay? So like I just said, if a feeling unearths itself, your job is not to bury it. It's not to hide it. I actually think that I thought that for a while, especially coming into coaching. I don't think I was allowed to have bad feelings. Um, thankfully, thanks universe. Okay. A memory just popped up on my Facebook feed today. Um, a friend of mine tagged me in um, some advice that she said that I said, <laughs> and it was like, I don't have bad days. I only have bad moments. And that is something I still feel is true. And I have had like the other day when I had my tooth extracted, right? I had enough bad moments over the weekend in pain that I might have classified that as a bad holiday weekend, but even I still wouldn't. I still would not. It was still a fantastic weekend. Uh, Monday was pretty tough with the tooth pain, but I was very blessed to find, you know, a husband who stepped up to the plate and had to manage a whole household of crazy kids while his wife was in and out of pain and in and out of consciousness trying to rest. You know, I that's a silver lining is I got to see that I'm so well taken care of that I didn't have anything to worry about. I was allowed to just be healing myself the best that I could. So, you know, you have to do that work. You have to feel those things, right? Initially, I started to feel some anxiety because I'm like, oh, I can't put all this pressure on my husband on a holiday to be doing these things, especially when we had plans together. So then I was feeling guilty about having a toothache too, right? So it's not your job to bury those things under the rug because that does build resentment. And lo and behold, you'll end up feeling this emotion at some point again, because the universe's job is to do that. If you're not going to feel learn, learn the lesson, my job is to give you the emotion or the lesson again until you learn it. That's the only way that you end up ascending. 
that's a spiritual conversation for another day, but ignoring the previous, so your old programming, or um, ignoring the fact that other people have their own programming as well is not a good thing. It's not a good thing. We need to adopt that notion is that once you get very clear on your own beliefs, it doesn't mean that your partner, it doesn't mean that your children are going to believe the same things that you believe. You'll more than likely have a lot of similarities. You'll more than likely be able to have a lot of conversations around your own personal beliefs and they might kind of come towards yours or you might come towards theirs because you guys have a lot of things in common or like-mindedness. But it's so important to completely remember at all times that everybody's their own individual person. So we can't we can't force it. We can't stop it. We just have to accept it and just really see theirs from their value and perspective. OK, so I will also say, by the way, just to end up on that, is that when we start to recognize our own values, it's so important we start to stand very stern in them, not to argument um, or to prove our point, but because when other people start living their lives or saying their piece or suggesting these things to you, (laughs) if you're not strong in those beliefs, their thoughts and actions and words will trigger you. My mom still triggers me. People still trigger me. Uh, My insecurities, by the way, this is nothing to do with them as a person. It's my own personal insecurities that become triggered where I question if I'm making the right decisions and I question if my feelings are even accurate or allowed, all of those things. So you have to make sure that you're being aware of that, okay? When you start to get into control of yourself, which is great, and you recognize you can't control other people, that is fantastic work. But the reverse side of that is recognizing and realizing that other people will still be affecting you and you're allowing it. That was a harder one. I was able to accept I couldn't change other people very quickly. It was much harder for me to let other people's thoughts, values, actions affect me because I was still taking it on as that that was a clear distinction of who I was um, or not um, or not worthy of or whatever by their their review of my life, basically. Okay, so three steps. Find community understand your programming and actually feel an emote. It's so important. Okay. So again, like I kind of apologize, kind of apologize for taking like the last 15 minutes to get to the actual actionable steps. But, um, I hope that we had a really great conversation with that, you know? Okay. Triggers just, you know, just be aware of them. If you're smoking, if you're Amazon priming, if you're overeating, you're gambling, if, um, you know, you say things you don't mean, especially if they're mean, if you over drink, mistreat others, if you're cheating, if you're snorting cocaine, if you're pulling your hair out, those are all signs that you've got some triggers going on. You're not feeling your feelings. You are bearing them in some type of way, okay? In the end, y'all, I just hope that you are feeling relieved. I hope that you're feeling that you're not alone, that you are deserving, and that you are entirely capable of all the things we talk about on the podcast. So, whew, I feel good about this. This feels like it was, oh my gosh, do you feel the shift, okay? This was just, this was more than just a willy-nilly conversation, which I had been doing for so long. I'm giving you tangible things. I had three pages worth of notes I'm over here sharing with you, so I really hope you got some value from this. This is the kind of stuff I just love to be able to do. Uh, So if you did get value, make sure that you're liking the podcast, favoriting, and if you want to, find me on social media through all the platforms I mentioned at the very beginning. Uh, Tag me in them when you're doing something witchy or woohoo-y, because you know you're going to find support from me, especially when you kind of feel like maybe your friends don't get it. I will get it. I will get it. And I'm looking for that community as well. So thank you so much for tuning into the podcast, y'all. You know how to get in touch with me. I mentioned that at the beginning too. Uh, A good girl's guide too at Gmail is my email address or uh, Facebook Messenger is the easiest way to reach out to me. I will be back next week for sure. I've scheduled it on my schedule for podcasting time. Uh, But thanks so much for your patience and uh, allowing me to recover from this 
tooth extraction. And I look forward to seeing you all over the Book of Face, the Instagram, the TikTok, and wherever else we might see each other, hopefully in person. Don't forget to come say hi to me and give me a hug, especially because we can squeeze each other tight now. All right. Love y'all very much. Have a fantastic rest of your week. Stay happy, stay healthy, and keep washing those hands. Bye-bye.